podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Today we have a special feature reviewing the Cricket World Cup 2019 thus far with uh, Varun from Edges and uh, Sledges Podcast. But before that, uh, continuing with our World Cup Digest, uh, we're going to talk about matches number 42 and 43 played between Afghanistan and West Indies at uh, Headingley and uh, Pakistan and Bangladesh played at Lords. So let me welcome my co-host Ajit so we can talk about it. Hello Ajit, how is it going for you? Hi Giri, I'm doing good. It was a very calm sort of a week and I could uh, concentrate uh, on my first love that is cricket mm-hmm. again. Uh-huh. Right, okay. so well um, before we you know go into the uh, deep dive let's take a quick look at the two matches that is Afghanistan versus West Indies to begin with, and then Pakistan and Bangladesh. So in the first match, Afghanistan versus West Indies, which was played at uh, Headingley Leeds, the West Indian team won the toss and elected to bat first. So, you know, whenever they did that, I was thinking this is again, uh, you know, the writing is on the wall for Afghanistan because uh, you could expect West Indies would go big and what they did in the one of the, you know, preparatory matches for the World Cup, they would make 400 or whatever, right? But a bit of credit to the Afghani bowlers because they were able to tie uh, West Indians down to 311 for uh, 6 in 50 overs. So, Emil Lewis made 58, Shai Hope 77, uh, Shimran Hetmeyer 39, Nicholas Puran 58 and Jason Holder, the captain, 45. So, all in all, it was a good team effort. Even though Chris Gale failed, it was his last World Cup outing and he failed, unfortunately. But it was a good team effort to bring them to 311. Mujibur Rahman did not take a wicket, took 52, uh, gave 52 runs in 10 overs. Uh, Dawla Zadran uh, took two wickets, but was a bit costly. Syed Shirzad, who was brought into the team in Nafta Balam's place, took one for 56 of eight. Then Gulbadin Naib uh, bowled only three overs. And then the two spinners took just one one wicket among them and each considered more than 50 in the 10 overs. When it came their turn to bat, Afghanistan put up a real challenge. So this was thanks to the top uh, five batsmen out of uh, you know uh, their batting order. So Gulbadin Naib, the captain who was opening, failed. But... Rahmat Shah made 62. Ikram Ali Khil, who was promoted to uh, number 3, made a very good 86 of just 93 balls. Najibullah Zadran made 31. And then Askar Afghan made a fighting 40. The tail tried to support them. Nabi, Samuel Ashanwari, Rashid Khan not being able to contribute much. Said Shirzad again stood at the end and made an unbeaten 25. Um, so all in all, you know, they came to 288. It was a bit flattering on them at the end. The result, the, the amount of runs for victory was probably lesser. But still, it was a comfortable victory for West Indies, right? Yeah, I think West Indies have ended the World Cup on a good note. Uh, talking about Chris Gale, do you think this is actually his last World Cup? <laughs> uh, knowing him, well, he's made those funny statements or may not be funny. This time he's also said it's going to be his last World Cup. So I'm okay. going to trust that for now. For now. Okay. Let us hope he doesn't uh, go back on his word. Anyway, but I think uh, Afghanistan... Uh, we'll we'll do a review of them again uh, in the later section, but I think Afghanistan have been disappointing. Uh, they have not lived up to their promise. Somebody like Rashid Khan has not done well enough. I think he has not picked up enough wickets for them. And uh, 311 is not such a big score, uh, but I think batting first West Indies always had the edge. 
because Afghanistan hasn't the the batting from Afghanistan cricket team has not uh, really clicked that much. But it's it's good to see a fight. I think they've gone on fighting. Um, so unfortunately for them, the World Cup ends here. Um, so yeah, shall we go to the next match then? All right. In the next game, this was again uh, the last game for both these teams, Pakistan and Bangladesh. It was more of a well. Um, a pride contest rather than anything else because Pakistan technically stood a chance to qualify for the semi-finals but it was not really it was not really going to happen so in this game that was played at large right Pakistan won the toss and elected to bat first which basically meant they at least had a chance to put up something so led by Imam Ulhaq who made a hundred of even number of balls right and then Babar Azam who made a 96 as well they totaled 315 for nine there was also a useful contribution again from Imad Wasim, who also scored his runs very quickly. And Mohammad Hafiz made 27. So in this case, when it comes to bowling, Mohammad Saifuzin took three wickets, but uh, considered 77 runs. Mahdi Hassan was the pick of the bowlers. Even though he took only one wicket, he considered just 30 runs in his 10 overs. And of course, Mustafizur took another 5-4, but in this case, he was a bit costly. He considered 75 runs. Shakib was a bit muted. He considered 57 runs of his 10 overs. And overall, it was a reasonable uh, bowling effort from Bangladeshis, you know, considering that there was a chance Pakistan might, you know, target 400 or 450 or whatever. Uh, they did really well to, you know, tie them down to 315. This was a chaseable target as far as they were concerned. They had done it once in the tournament. But, you know, they got off to a not so good start. Tamim Iqbal uh, was out for eight to Shaheen Shah Afridi and then Mohammad Amir took out Soumya Sarkar. This was the first uh, wicket to fall, in fact. After that, Shakib Alassan made a very good 64 in even time. But there were not a lot of other contributions in the middle order. So, Leighton Das 32, Mahmoudullah 29, Mossadegh Hussain 16, and then Mashafi Murtada skipper hit out a little to make 15. But all in all, they could only total 221, and they were all out in the 45th over. So, when it comes to bowling, Shaheen Shafridi took 6 for 35, his best bowling analysis. Right, Mohammad Amir was excellent, took one wicket, but did not consider a lot of runs. Wahab Riyaz also took a wicket, and Shadab Khan took two wickets. So, overall, it was a thorough bowling performance from Pakistan who took this uh, you know this game comfortably with Shahin Shah Afridi being declared as the man of the match so Giri yeah Pakistan's um, World Cup comes to an end as well I think they had an outside chance like you said but I think they had to beat Bangladesh by a whopping margin to make it through to the uh, knockout phase um, so looking at Pakistani performance so far I think uh, there is a lot of room for improvement. There are some youngsters coming in. There is a lot of uh, experienced players who will be on the way out. I think Hafiz will probably retire and Shoaib Malik has already announced his retirement, uh, as I read, a few hours ago from ODI cricket. So I'm not sure if he's still going to play T20 though. Um, so Pakistan, I hope they come back to the next World Cup with a better team or with a stronger team. So yeah, uh, apart from that, I think uh, it was... Uh, a better uh, World Cup for uh, Bangladesh. I think Bangladesh's uh, uh, team had an inspired performance all throughout the tournament, especially with Shaki being promoted up the order. I think he made a huge difference there, contributing to the team's uh, score uh, and also providing them uh, very good uh, momentum at the at the top of the order. And uh, Mustafizur has picked up another 5-4, right? So I think uh, he's also bowling well. So. I think Bangladesh should be proud of themselves and Pakistan, yeah, they will have to look look at what they've done and then uh, go back to the drawing room and then uh, maybe build another squad with a lot of youngsters in it. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, so we will be looking at the teams a bit more in depth later. But indeed, you have uh, done a very good job of you know uh, covering how it went as far as these two teams are concerned. And indeed, there are enough positives. Bangladesh were uh, the most brave team, and probably you know they will be the ones that were probably really really disappointed to miss out. Now, if you were to look at some of the news surrounding the World Cup, it looks like Sean Marsh has had his uh, forearm broken in the nets, and uh, Hanscom has been chosen to replace him. Any surprises there that Sean Marsh is again out with an injury? Well, I'm not surprised, but I think he's 34 or 35, right? He's probably at the end of his career as well, another one or two years. And I think Hanscom probably deserved an opportunity to play in this World Cup already. They should have, he should have been already selected, in my opinion. But he gets his chance now, and the question is, will he actually play? I think uh, Sean Mars hasn't been part of the playing 11 in a lot of these matches, maybe one or two, I think. So let's see. Well, given that you know the last match has head rubber, if Hanscom has made it in time. There is a chance, you know, one of uh, either Maxwell or uh, Stoinis might be rested and Hanscom might be given a go. The rest of the top mm-hmm. four or five sort of picks itself, right, as far as Australia is concerned. So, let's see how that goes. But you're right, you know, Sean Marsh is probably going to end his career. Uh, he'll not get a chance to play another World Cup. He's very old, he's 35, right? All right. So, going forward, uh, we are on to a special section of the podcast today where we'll be reviewing uh, how the World Cup has gone on so far. And in order to help us with this, we have the Adjacent Sledges podcast. Hello, Varun. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's always been a pleasure, right, to have you uh, guys come. So it's a very nice thing. So maybe going forward, uh, let's uh, start bottom up on the table and maybe let's start with Afghanistan. Giri, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Afghanistan, I think we expected a lot from them, uh, especially after having gained test status. Uh, They won their match against Ireland, remember, prior to this World Cup. And uh, considering their T20 form, I think we were expecting a lot from them, but I think they have left a lot to be desired, especially uh, off-field events as well, I have to say. I think they had a lot of issues uh, administration-wise, even before the World Cup started, with the captaincy, you know, being changed from Askar Afghan to, um, you know, Gulbadeen. Um, So having started with that uh, and uh, I think they they kind of lost their way already Uh, and uh, if you look at their overall uh, summary, I think overall results of all the matches, in all the matches they've played, they've lost everything. Uh, So they played against Bangladesh, uh, that was, I believe that was uh, 24th of June. They lost that by 62 runs. They lost against Sri Lanka by 34 runs. They lost against uh, South Africa by nine wickets. Um, They lost against Pakistan by three wickets. They lost against England by 150 runs. And they lost against New Zealand by seven wickets. And they lost against India by 11 runs. I think that was one of the closest uh, matches they were involved in. And against Australia, they lost by seven wickets. Uh, and then uh, against West Indies, they lost again by 23 runs. That was the match that recent, recently concluded. It was the last uh, group stage match. So if you look at all these performances, I think um, they, I would say, I mean, they would not be happy with what they've done. I'm sure there will be a lot of uh, homework uh, that they will need to do to resurrect this. Uh, some heads will fall, probably, starting from uh, the coach. I think uh, Phil Simmons' uh, contract runs till the end of the World Cup. And after that, uh, we we need to see what's going to happen. But in the end, yeah, it's a big disappointment. I mean, I was also very personally disappointed that they didn't do so well. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. I think. I mean, I'm I'm disappointed. That's all. Varun. Yeah, I think I echo Giri a little bit. I think it's disappointing, especially because um, all of us root for Afghanistan, right? We they, they've got a great character, great heart when they play the game. They've got an incredible story. So very honestly, um, the format of the World Cup is such where I think it doesn't allow a team like Afghanistan to bounce back. What I was expecting is one upset at least, and um, and that also didn't happen. And I, and you notice I use the word upset still because as you look at their tournament so far i think if they had won it would have been an upset but having said that i i really hope they don't they don't kind of give up or move backwards from this they've done so well so far they've got some great names in the team especially people like rashid khan mujib uh, nabi they've all done well their spinners have given a tough time to a lot of batsmen you see the india and pakistan game really woke up these two teams who are really kind of super giants in the game of cricket so all i can say is i think um, you know, the Bangladesh had started out similarly many, many two decades ago, and it's taken them time to get to a certain stage today. Uh, with Afghanistan, I'm going to make a prediction. It's not going to take that long for them to get to bounce back. But yes, there is a lot of work to be done. And I think the key thing is understanding that T20 and ODI 50 overs are very different and the mindset needs to shift. So I just hope Afghanistan bounces back uh, for the future. Indeed, indeed. So uh, the other thing is some backroom machinations that's going on, right? Uh, if anything, all this uh, appointment of a captain at the last minute, so to say, let's say a more uh, established skipper being removed and uh, some newbie given the job and it looked like he's a proxy on the field. Many times it looked like Asghar Afghan was the skipper. Also, uh, when you look at it, they were very close to an upset. The Pakistan game was possibly the closest thing that I thought was going to be an upset. So in this case, they could not hold their nerve. If anything, it's just down to experience, I think. A slightly more experienced team would probably, you know, clinch that. Given how it went in the last four overs and Gurbadin bowling himself, probably those things will not happen. And also a couple of catches dropped, right, Varun, in the crucial points of that game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think for that experience, you've got to have your um, chin held high. You've got to keep playing ODI cricket. And I'm sure it will come. I mean, they're playing in England for the first time and... So those things are also sort of, there are some unknowns around it as well. So probably it's not as black and white as we would imagine. The other thing is their spinners were good. Mujib did a reasonable job. Nabi was all right. But I think Rashid's failure, because uh, there were always some murmurs, all his good wickets or all his lots of wickets were against uh, associate nations. Previously, associate nations are associate nations. So now uh, now that he's uh, had a consistent run against uh, top teams, you can see that probably, you know, he also can improve a bit. Yeah, and, and I think even in the Pakistan match, I think Imad Wasim hit a 49 and won them the game. But when he came off the field, the first thing he said was, uh, to be honest, I couldn't read Rashid Khan. And so I had to figure him out as I went through. So, I mean, these are all good signs. It's interesting, like you said, first time they're playing in England. Um, Rashid Khan, I think, is a class player. So it will just take time. Um, and I think, I, I hope they get that time to, to bounce back. So, going forward, maybe the next team we can really look at is, uh, well, West Indies. Again, uh, any thoughts, Varun? Maybe we can start with you. Yeah, West Indies is kind of that team where uh, at the start of the World Cup, everyone was unsure how they would be. I think they have a lot of their own personal politics going on uh, behind the scenes, but they put together their best kind of 15 to show up. They, they definitely were contenders in the top four. I remember even in our podcast, as we discussed, uh, there was always an outside chance that, you know, West Indies could have two, three great games that will propel them into the semi-final. But it wasn't uh, the case. Um, I think people like Gale uh, didn't show up this World Cup. And I think a lot of the team depends very heavily on how how how, how often Gale gets, a, gets off to a flourishing start. 
I think people like Russell um, are fantastic players, but you know, you you need you need to have that composure to be able to play according to a certain situation. And he started off the World Cup well, but then fizzled out. He was playing with an injury, and so he went off. But I think there were a lot of young players who um, West Indies can look to the future as a bright hope. I think Shai Hope is one of them. Bravo is one of them. Uh, Nicholas Pruden, we saw towards the end of the World Cup, played a century and some great innings. I think Holder is coming off his own, and I really appreciate that he's one of the genuine best all-rounders in the world today. There are lots of positives for West Indies to look at, but to be honest, they are definitely, in my opinion, one of the most unpredictable and uncertain teams. So, um, again, I come back to saying, I think this format of the World Cup really is more suited for consistency rather than unpredictability. And as we talk about the rest of the games, we you'll see that. that I think West Indies has a lot to look forward to in the future. But they really need to sit and assess how they how they want to play, how they approach a 50-over game. And similar to kind of what we were saying to Afghanistan, if this was a T20 World Cup, I think all of us would have been extremely shocked if West Indies didn't make it to the semi. In an ODI, I think all of us were saying, hey, they had an outside chance to make it. But um, we kind of expected that they won't. Right, right. Giri? Yeah, I sort of echo uh, Varun's comments here. Because uh, if you look at West Indies' team, most of their star players are T20 uh, specialists. Somebody like Carlos Brathwaite or even Andre Russell, uh, who was probably half fit when he started the World Cup, and that didn't help their cause. Uh, when we, you know, when we did a preview of their team uh, earlier this year, just before the World Cup began, what we had said and what we were expecting was a lot of uh, fight from the West Indian team. I think they had assembled a very good group of players, talented group of players, on the back of that uh, famous. You know, a victory against England in the Test Series. So it's looked a very good team at that point. Uh, and it may well have lived up to the expectations. But for the mindset, I think, especially the batting is a bit loose. Uh, somebody like Chris Gale, the agenda setter, he, he basically sets the pace for them. And if he doesn't, the middle order doesn't, uh, you know, uh, steady the innings. They don't have a lot of stability in the middle order. They're all uh, a lot of flashes there. They just... Uh, hit balls aggressively and you know hit the ball out of the park that doesn't always work in ODI cricket and uh, longevity or building an innings is probably the next step they need to take uh, I think they have a good and very talented bunch of youngsters uh, like uh, Varun said you know uh, Nicholas Puran, Shimron Hetmeyer, uh, even uh, Shea Hope so these guys need to be nurtured uh, they should be given plenty of chances uh, to develop in this game and um, I think the next World Cup is probably going to be uh, a better one for them. Let's hope so. We all like to see the West Indies of the old, right? I mean, from the 70s and the 80s when they were <laughs> really the team to beat. So it's it's uh, you know it's getting in the right direction, but I'm disappointed again with uh, the results. When they won against Pakistan, I was I was thinking the old West Indies are back, <laughs> but uh, that was uh, not to be the case anyway. So what do you think, Ajit? You think they did well enough? Well, I mean, I think you guys captured all the points well. Uh, for me, some of the other things, well, one, I don't think they took enough time acclimatizing to the conditions. Uh, probably, you know, they were looking to probably capitalize on their skills, air quotes, but they were all T20 based, not one day based, because you're right. There's enough time in a one day to actually build an innings. So probably they needed somebody like Bravo to, uh, along with Shehope, probably to build a middle order innings where you would take the team to 180 for three, 180 for four at the end of 35, 33 overs, and then from there you could launch with all these T20 all-rounders. I don't think they did that. The other thing, sort of the attack was completely one-dimensional for me. You have, uh, you know, a couple of good medium pacers who can cut the ball or swing the ball or seam the ball. 
you have people like roach and then you have uh, all these you know really fast bowlers but the point is there were there was no good spinner there and ashley nurse is as good a spinner as he or fabian allen is they they can't measure up to somebody like kuldeep or you know uh, even shadab khan or anybody else so that doesn't work so as a result probably their attack was also one dimensional and there was not enough depth in a game plan for them it was all or bust you know you count on a bunch of players but there is no plan b so to say also on the field i saw that for example when they were bowling against sri lanka that's the only successful 300 plus chase in this world cup and there was no plan b at all if let's say a certain field setting a certain bowling attack a certain bowling plan is not working i didn't see that happen so probably i mean i don't want to sound too critical but also the backroom staff needs to take a bit of the you know bit bit of a beating here probably they also own uh, a bit of this uh, debacle you know as you guys said you know going forward there's a lot to look forward to they are a good test team they can they can do really well in tests but uh, one day i think they are still yet to master that as a format this team this composition of this team is yet to master it i think yeah i just wanted to add i think you made a very good point uh, at the start of the world cup we saw some very quick bowling very short bowling and it surprised a lot of teams in fact um australia if i remember correctly was something like 50 for 4 or 50 for 5 against them but you're right yeah. there was no game plan b and there was no way to come back and to lose that match was shocking and that game may have not only changed the world cup for west indies it may have changed the entire order of the table if you look at it today so you're absolutely right when it comes to bowling they they had one particular plan they 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 got the guys in to do exactly that but they just weren't able to adapt indeed well i mean as i say these are all lessons learned for the upcoming world cups right for this it's a youngish team so they have a lot to pick up on right going forward well south africa this is for me the probably the biggest disappointment of the world cup so varun yeah it's it's too disappointing actually i can't believe how south africa has ended their world cup i was chatting with somebody earlier and i said i think this is the first world cup where they have come in without any pressure there was not much expectation on them nobody was saying this is the strongest team they are going to make the final could this be their first world cup nobody said that at all and we know in the past that they've failed miserably uh, and gotten this choker's tag especially when they are under pressure but honestly this world cup has surprised me they could come in they could play freely i don't think they were also expecting to be in the top 4 i don't think um, any of us were expecting them to be in the top 4 but what we didn't expect is that they will not even put up a fight and i think that stems a lot to the fact that their batting just wasn't up to the mark almost nobody from quinton bickock to hashim amla didn't give them a start faf showed a little bit of promise but south africa just didn't click as a team despite i would say having uh, one of the best bowling lineups in the world cup as well right a rabada ingidi for the start a tahir who's now going to be playing his last odi so overall if i just had to sum it up in one word i would say it's you know very disappointing uh from south africa but for all the indian fans listening if south africa pulls off a win against australia tomorrow i would say they've done their job for for us indeed it it's uh, well it's going to be a needle match right so giri remember what happened last year and uh, newlands yeah what happened there well there was uh, i heard something to do with uh, the ball's condition being changed uh, sandy yeah, yeah, yeah. and the trousers all of these things so uh, yeah 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 i was being a bit sarcastic but of course uh, south africa is uh, i mean i i have nothing further to add apart from say that uh, it was a huge disappointment i think we picked a team for them uh, earlier uh, in our preview and then they picked the exact same team so i kind of feel disappointed that <laughs> you know our team selection did not work so yeah i don't know what they have to do i think they have to go back and uh, change a few things there 
Faf will probably need to hand over his uh, leadership. I think somebody like uh, Markram, I, I spoke about this earlier already. They need to, you know, uh, nurture him just like they did with uh, Graham Smith. Um, it might not be such a bad thing for them. So the test team is still good. So um, let's see what happens. I think they can just forget about it and then go home uh, after the last match against uh, Australia. Well, they'll want to go home on a win, winning, uh, you know, a winning note for sure. And of course, it's always a needle match. And as uh, Varun said, they'll do us a bit of favor if they take Australia out in the last match, right? Give India the top spot. That's one thing. The other thing, of course, yeah, they had plans. You could see there were plans. But for example, in the game against Bangladesh, when they came unstuck or the game against Pakistan, it, it was a bit disappointing because they had this over-reliance on certain players. Amla giving them a good start. Uh, or Quinton de Kock also had a very mediocre uh, World Cup. Favti Plessis did his bit. Coming in at three or four, he always did his bit. But then there were not enough, let's say, top-order uh, batters who could take the innings forward no matter what. Rasif Anderson was okay, but... You missed, like, I don't know, for the lack of a better word, somebody like a Stephen Smith. Or, you know, even at the top of the order, somebody like an Aaron Finch. Somebody who could play a dual role. This was unfortunate. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit tough going for them. So, let's see how that goes. So, South Africa, indeed, were the biggest disappointment. Now, if you were to go forward, then you have Bangladesh. Probably the most brave team in this World Cup. They were really, you know, disappointed to probably not make the higher honors. So, Varun, what are your thoughts? Yeah, actually, you know, guys, if you ask me, I've been so impressed with Bangladesh this World Cup. Exactly the opposite of South Africa. I didn't expect them to do so well. It's just a great story. I think every time I've seen them come onto the field, I've seen a certain determination that they want to win. I think what this team has got is they've got a mix of experience and youth. You've got guys like Shakib, Mortaza, Tamim and um, Mushfikur Rahim, who are all seasoned guys. And then you've got the younger players as well. You know, the Mehdi Hassan, the Sheffuddin. So I think it was a very nice balance. I think Shakib has really stood up this World Cup, performing like a mature player, anchoring the innings, something that a lot of teams actually require. And if you look at the stats after the match finished yesterday, he's hit over 600 runs in this World Cup. And he's only 60 runs behind a Sachin Tendulkar, who played a 2003 World Cup. And that too, mind you, Sachin got to the final. I think his average is above 80, uh, 80. I think it's close to 84. I think every innings he's hit a 50 except one where he got a 41. Incredible performance, incredible bowling. He's one of the few guys who's taken 11 wickets and 600 runs ever in a World Cup. And I just think for me, the, the real highlight was the fight and determination. Like I said, every match you could sense that they were going to win. To, to beat West Indies, um, you know, in... I think chasing 320-odd and winning it in the 42nd over with eight overs to go is absolutely incredible. I mean, we know that chasing any score above 250 in World Cups in general and in this particular World Cup has been tough. So for Bangladesh to come out and do that, I think it's been um, it's been incredible. I feel sad that they missed out a little bit. I think um, finishing number six is, is very good ahead of West Indies, uh, South Africa. But I, I think full credit to them for the kind of growth they had. I think in the last World Cup, they lost quite badly to West Indies in South Africa. And just four years later, they turned it around and had resounding wins against these guys. So from my perspective, super performance by Bangladesh. Indeed. Uh, the most improved team in the World Cup possibly, right? When you look at their bowling attack, they missed a wrist spinner. And probably they, they considered a bit of control in the middle overs because of that or maybe other reasons. But... Also, when you look at it, Mashrafe is a very wily leader, for sure. No doubt about it. And he brings a lot of nows to this team. But 
on field his performances were probably not up to the mark i mean they could have used a more incisive faster bowler who could begin like i don't know uh, the younger bowler who's there taskin he could have probably taken marshafe's place but then you know you also needed his statesmanship i guess anyway that's uh, bangladesh and all in all they were impressive indeed so now if you were to look up now at the positive uh, let's say the top 6 teams so you have sri lanka again sri lanka uh, also a bit of a disappointment varun yeah i think so i look guys to be fair i i have a very um, different view on sri lanka i actually thought sri lanka is going to come at the bottom of the table we were discussing this on our own edges and sledges podcast with a with a sri lankan cricket uh, writer actually for cricket for uh, fidel and andrew fidel and mm-hmm. on that podcast we were trying to recall whether dj and i can actually remember the names of all the 11 sri lankan players and we couldn't um it's unfortunate but we couldn't so from that perspective i actually didn't expect sri lanka to to really do anything in this world cup i think malinga was a great factor for them i think angelo matthews stood up when when needed between the two kushals the pereira and mendes i think one of them was always somewhere in the hunt to score a big innings but didn't do that but i have to say that they took their chances right they beat a west indies they beat an afghanistan and i think the real surprise of the tournament which kind of really opened it up and one has to thank sri lanka for this is the win against england it was an emphatic win nobody expected that it turned the entire world cup suddenly you're seeing kind of weaknesses in england's uh, batting and uh, lineup which one never thought so i think sri lanka performed better than i expected very honestly given the way they beat west indies and england i think what affected them most is that they had to abandon matches and um, there was just that one week in the world cup where rain started affecting games and you never know because sri lanka had both their ba- abandoned matches were against bangladesh and pakistan in hindsight when you think about it they definitely would have won one of them and if not both so i think they were a little scarred by the rain um they were the team that i didn't think would do anything this world cup and so they beat my expectations but yes i do think moving forward you will have uh, people like matthews and malinga not playing for very long so there will still be a gap and i think that's where um sri lankan cricket really needs to think and assess what needs to be done over the next 4 years to plug gaps like that um so in my opinion i think sri lankan team uh, wasn't a bit of a disarray when they started this world cup they changed their captain right and they had karuna ratne coming in who did not captain them uh, for such a long duration he was just a test captain then and apart from that they missed somebody like uh, niroshan dikwela i think uh, the flamboyant batsman opening batsman as well as the keeper he probably was missed and guys like angelo matthews i don't know how fit he was he was just making another uh, comeback into the team yet again so i mean looking at the points table and where they stand i think they should be happy with what they have done uh, i for one feel that they have exceeded my expectations but i think they have found a fantastic talent in avishka fernando i have become a huge fan of his i have watched him bat in a couple of matches uh, on television and he looks the uh, real deal i think he has a very good technique he has very good balance nice poise he he reminds me a lot of uh, rohit sharma and i hope they you know nurture him the right way give him a lot of opportunities let him develop for at least a couple of years and i dare i say i mean he can become the next i don't know mahela jayawardena for example or even better than him so um so sri lanka will have to you know go back and uh, <laughs> i don't know what they have to do but um, yeah i think they need to build a team for the next world cup uh, this team probably has done enough i guess going forward well uh, the team that just missed out on the semi final slot pakistan right so varun yeah pakistan is another west indies for me i i think at the start of the tournament i did not put them in the top 4 but as the tournament went on i was getting this scary feeling that these guys are so unpredictable and can bounce back any time that i thought they might 
actually make it. What I would say about Pakistan is I think they you know they had some very big defeats whether it was you know against I think the main was was against India of course against by 89 runs or they lost against West Indies by 7 wickets. I think they just were never able to come back from that. And if you you know I saw an interview with Sarfraz Khan recently and I think he himself alluded to the fact that both the West Indies uh, and the Australia game were the turning points for Pakistan. Um, had they had a different result in one of them, they may have been in a different momentum. Um, I think Pakistan is, is the kind of a team. A lot of people say they're a momentum team. Once they start winning, you'll see that they get in, they get on a roll, and they actually did that, right? They, they they beat South Africa, they beat Afghanistan, they beat Bangladesh, and like Sri Lanka, they actually beat England. So again, Pakistan did open up the World Cup a little bit. I think their fans would be extremely disappointed. especially in the last game uh, where against bangladesh they were playing with uh, i would say a 0.1% probability of making it to the semis i think overall for for me their their tournament was a little bit disappointing especially since they know the english conditions so well two years ago they fought very hard to win the champions trophy in england um they had a similar team setup i think when you when you look at their bowling lineup with uh, amir uh, wahab riaz Uh, Shaheen Afridi, Shadab Khan. I think I think it's a very strong bowling lineup that did cause a lot of teams concerns. But but again, Pakistan's batting has always left uh, more to be desired, right? I think where they kind of lost it a little bit was they counted on the experience of Hafeez and Shoaib Malik to a great degree, but those guys didn't show up. And so the people around them were much younger. I think they stepped up. They took a lot of the ownership, but it just in the end it just wasn't enough. Having said that, I think people like Fakhar I think people like Babar Azam, uh, Imamul Haq are are great talents for the future, and I really do see Pakistan cricket picking up after this. Indeed, I mean that was a fairly robust summary, I would say. Now going up, the team that's on the way down, so to say, New Zealand, were it? Yeah, New Zealand, I I think is an interesting one. I'm going to I'm going to make a comment about New Zealand, which is I think when when your schedule in a World Cup is a certain way i think you need to look at it and capitalize right and i think new zealand did exactly that they beat sri lanka bangladesh afghanistan south africa and west indies all on the trot they were one of the only teams to be unbeaten for more than half of the group stage i think where new zealand fell a bit short is like i mentioned cricket is a little bit of a momentum game they were doing very well i think that one abandoned match against india kind of saved them a little bit and i'll tell you why because after that australia england and pakistan are three big teams that were all going for the top four slots and new zealand actually lost to all of them back to back so if if that new zealand game versus india had happened and if new zealand had lost you may have actually seen a very different world cup you may have seen pakistan qualify and new zealand not even make it so New Zealand I think is a kind of a team that uh, I'm going to make two comments. One is I think if the English bowling conditions suit them they are a completely different team right they are indestructible there they can run through any attack. So that's one but it depends very very much on the condition. The second thing is they are just too dependent on Kane Williamson right when Kane Williamson hits a century or he bats till the 40th or 45th over there's a high likelihood New Zealand is going to win the game. When Kane Williamson does not, I would say New Zealand is going to lose. They have people like Ross Taylor who I think has done well, but their openers, whether it's Colin Munro or, or Guptil, just have not been up to the mark. And I think lower down people like Nisham are 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 going to be very valuable assets for you. But I still believe they are more of bowling all rounders than batting all rounders. So I think those two points kind of define New Zealand's um, 
World Cup so far. Capitalize on your schedule in the English bowling conditions. I think they they are very good. But ultimately, they're a team that seems to revolve around one player, Kane Williamson. And if he doesn't click, it's going to be very difficult. Well, the other thing I found a bit weird is they did have a wrist spinner in their ranks. They did not have a quality spinner throughout. As good as Santner is, I don't think he's uh, he's up to the mark of a shakit, let's say, right? So, but when you look at it, they had a wrist spinner in Ish Sodhi, but he, he hardly played one game. So, that was also a bit weird for me. Knowing that they have capitalized, they have won the first four or five matches uh, on a trot. I would have expected them to unleash Sodhi because also in the back end of the tournament when the pitches are a bit worn, uh, you would trust your leg break bowler to bring you some wickets. He might concede some runs. That was also weird for me. But all in all, yeah, they're on the way down. But maybe they can rouse themselves for one or two big performances. Let's see how that goes. Now, going up, it's England. So, Varun? Yeah, England England is the, is the big one, right? England was touted to win this World Cup. You had all sorts of Twitter battles going on. You had Kevin Peterson tweeting, just give them the World Cup already at the start. You had Michael Vaughan coming in and tweeting a lot about how great this English team is. I think there was a lot of talk about how England is going to be the first team that hits 500. But to be honest, I think England shocked themselves more than shocking anyone else. I think against Sri Lanka, the loss, against Pakistan, the loss, were really kind of Matches that made England sit up and really think, okay, what's going on? How do we need to bounce back? I think there is no doubt that this English team is probably the greatest English team that's ever played. And I would say it's probably one of the best teams in ODI cricket today as well. But just watching them chase big totals and being put a little bit under pressure made you realize that it's not always just about going after every ball. Um, it's not about just trying to get that boundary or trying to go for a big score. You need to play with a little bit uh, more of a cool mind and with your head on your shoulders. Having said that, I think the way they bounced back has been actually incredible, right? They they beat uh, New Zealand by 119 runs. And of course, they had the game against India, which um, which was a resounding win for them, right? By 31 runs, they put up 338. So I think the key for England has been Jason Roy and Johnny Bairstow. They have done a great job opening Joe Root providing that stability. I think Morgan has had one game where he's really gone after the bowling. But apart from that, he's been a little bit disappointing for me. Stokes has been absolutely fantastic. To hit 80s, 70s consistently game after game and and really back till the end has been great. Butler, I think, hasn't got a chance to show his true potential yet. But with the semis coming up, you've got players like Butler. I think that there is always a chance. But I think the thing with England is there's always somebody who's going to get you. And I think that's where teams in the semifinals will need to be very, very careful of England. So um, if you ask for my opinion, I think England will still probably win this World Cup. Uh, on a light, lighter note, according to that uh, scientific astrologer, Ajit, you remember? Uh, so they'll right. probably win this. <laughs> uh, but jokes apart... Um, I think they have an incredible line of, uh, lineup of fast bowlers, especially Jofra Archer and Mark Wood. Um, they showed that uh, at the beginning of the tournament, they bowled with a lot of venom. And they kind of lost their way when they lost their uh, match you know, against uh, Sri Lanka. I think that might have set the cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, but looking at what they've done, and uh, especially with that win against India, they have bouncing back, they're bouncing back. And uh, and it looks very likely that they're going to play against India in the semifinals, right? So it's going to be a rematch, um, which means uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I think they'll even play in the same ground at Edge Baston. Uh, and uh, talking about India, what do you think about India's uh, chances, uh, Varun? Yeah, I'm going to say India has had a great World Cup so far. I think 
um, only one match they've lost. The abandoned match hurt them a little bit from getting to the top of the table. But, you know, on our own podcast, we've discussed this to death for, for, for almost a year. I think India is still struggling to get the right playing eleven, right? I think they are confused between playing a Kedar Jadav. I think they're confused between playing Dinesh Karte. Suddenly, uh, Vijay Shankar gets injured and you don't get a like-for-like replacement. You get a Mayank Agarwal, who's an opening batsman, uh, being flown in. Ravindra Jadeja has not yet got a game, although he's been on the field every game and done a, a superb job. So I think what this World Cup is is telling me is that India is emerging as a more bowling strong team. I think our bowling performance has been amazing. Uh, being led by Jasprit Bumrah, I mean, he's Mr. He's the new Mr. Dependable. Anytime we are stuck, you give the ball to him, he, he produces a wicket. And his ability to bowl Yorkers is amazing. Shami has been fantastic picking up wickets, but a little bit expensive. Bhuvi, I think, uh, started the World Cup and nobody ever expected that he'll be struggling to find a place in the team. Um, Chehel and Kuldeep, I think, have been fantastic. But the, the challenge with them is on a ground that doesn't suit them or on a ground where batsmen start attacking, um, both of them get taken for runs. And I think then, then it becomes extremely difficult for India to bounce back if both your spinners are going at seven or eight and over. And that's why in the recent game, you, you saw that um, Kuldeep was actually dropped, right? Just moving up the order from a, from a bottoms-up perspective, Hardik Pandya, I'm, I've turned into quite a big fan of his. I think his bowling has been great. He's bowled almost 10 overs every game. And he's, he's batting with a very clear mind and a very clear objective. Dhoni is a point where I thought maybe let me ask you guys, what, what do you think of Dhoni's batting before, uh, before I talk about it? Well, I mean, it did look like at some point in time, he may have been struggling to time the ball as well as he used to. All this talk of intent, I don't put too much uh, stock into it, frankly. But uh, yeah, maybe he's on the he's on the back end of his career for sure. And maybe some of his, his skills are on the way in those uh, hand-eye coordinations that he probably relies on quite a lot is also a little bit on the way in. But look, I mean, I think he was a bit vilified unnecessarily and a bit unjustifiedly. This is my opinion. Well, I, I kind of disagree with that, uh, Ajit. I think he's there uh, in the playing 11 primarily because of his experience and the kind of inputs he provides Virat Kohli. So his batting has left a lot to be desired, in my opinion. Uh, he has provided a stability, of course, but then at what cost? He has eaten up a lot of deliveries, especially if you look at that match against England. I think that was disastrous, in my opinion. And the lack of intent there was absolutely evident. And you cannot question that. I think he has to question himself and then think about what he has to do after this World Cup. He probably will retire. That's that's the feeling we all have. I just don't want him to end up like, uh, you know, w- what we had with Sachin, for example. Sachin had such an illustrious career and he played a World Cup. He won a World Cup and he played a, a few series just to get some records right. Right. I mean, it's 100 centuries. So I, I felt really bad when that happened. Uh, and this vilification of Dhoni and all that. If a person has realized that his time has come, he has to go. And, you know, I remember very famously Glenn McGraw, when he retired from the game, he said, I would rather... Uh, have everybody ask me why rather than when. Dhoni should probably follow a similar uh, route. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if it were not for his records and his pedigree and all his uh, you know knowledge of the game, he wouldn't be in the playing eleven. You know, I think India has talented players themselves. So, but let's see. Anyway, I mean, he still has some left, uh, so some fire left in him. <laughs> in the next couple of matches, they play one match against uh, Sri Lanka, right, and then uh, they will play the semi-finals, of course. So. What do you think, Ajit? I mean, do you think uh, it is also another chance for the World Cup? Remains to be seen. I would, I would like to see what Varun has to say. 
So, so you know, on our podcast, uh, Angel Studies, we have this debate all the time. I think BJ is a diehard Dhoni fan. Uh, Ashwin and I are both kind of thinking his time is up. What I would say is, I think he's brought a lot of value into this World Cup. I think India did need him. I think there's no doubt. I think, especially if you look at our batting lineup, we don't have somebody who's going to bat till the 50th over. We've got younger people like Rishabh Pant and Pandya in. And you need a little bit of guidance while you're out there. So I am 100% in agreement with Dhoni playing till this World Cup. But if you ask my honest opinion, I think the minute this World Cup finishes, Dhoni needs to retire and step off and keep that legacy that he has. Because um, I don't see any great big tournaments coming up for India in the future. We've got a Bangladesh tournament, we've got a West Indies tournament and South Africa till end of the year. I don't see how Dhoni is going to add much value there. I, I hope he's not considering playing the T20 World Cup in 2020 because... That is still 15, 16 months away. So my view is Dhoni should retire. I think I agree with you there because uh, looking at his career pattern, he's always jumped well before he's pushed, right? Whenever he's handed over certain duty to another more uh, deserved candidate, you can always see people have asked why. So seeing that probably very highly likely, he might retire himself at the end of this World Cup. It will be good if he retires after a winning campaign as well. That will be good. But whatever may happen, I have a feeling he'll he'll call it quits at the end of the World Cup. Maybe play IPL for a couple more years. And after that, he'll call it quits for good. This is how I see it. So one thing definitely, his nows and his uh, inputs that he brings for the spinners especially is very useful. But then that can't really compensate for some of the things if he really see or if he really feel he's not up to it. Uh, but I still think he has an important role, at least until the end of this World Cup, right? Let's see the go- how that goes going forward. Now, well, the team that somehow wakes up in time, whenever there's a World Cup, they wake up, they get all their moving parts in order and so on, Australia. So, Varun, let's start with you. What do you have to say about Australia? Oh, guys, don't get me started on Australia. I think you summarized it great. I think they always peak and wake up just before a World Cup. Um, even when we were discussing it two, three months before the World Cup started, we were just like, I, all of us were getting this sinking feeling that Australia is going to come back very hard. I think, from my perspective, they're a strong team. I think what, what a lot of people don't realize is um, when Warner and Smith were out, uh, there was a lot of very high motivation for them to come back and perform. And, you know, you, you we were all having visions of them being so determined to make it to the finals. And I think we're kind of seeing that. Warner has done extremely well, right? Um, he's got... A great opening partner in Finch, who's the captain and who's had to step up over the last few months, was in very poor form at the start of this year. I mean, it's amazing. I think he's hit a couple of centuries this World Cup already. I think where Australia um, takes the game away is is with these top two openers. They've got a deep batting lineup. They've got Usman Khwaja, then Steve Smith at number four, Glenn Maxwell, Stoinis, Alex Carey. So on paper, they're a very strong team. I think uh, Alex Carey has impressed me a lot. The two guys who haven't are Stoinis and Maxwell, but both of them, the way they hit, I think um, on any given day, whether it's a semis or a finals, they can both be individual match winners for an Australia. And when you think of the bowling, again, a Mitchell Stark really stands out, right? He doesn't play every ODI game for Australia. I think a lot of people forget that he's actually in the setup for a lot of time, but he's always there for the big, um, big tournaments and makes a difference. I mean, He's taken, between last World Cup and this World Cup, I think he's taken almost the maximum number of World Cup wickets ever um, with an average of 12. So every 12 runs he gives, he's he's taking a wicket. So I think their overall balance is great. I think there's a lot of motivation and determination. And I wouldn't be surprised if Australia just, you know, cruises through to the finals. Well, uh, at least my feeling is 
whichever team will win the world cup will have to beat australia at least once from here so we don't know i mean yeah either you beat them in the semi final or finals so i would say yeah they have been discovering their mojo if anything if there is any chink it's their middle order right so if you can get through the top let's say three wickets of the top four very quickly you have a chance that you can probably restrict them to a very good uh, you know gettable total if they are batting first on the other hand if they are bowling first you have to somehow see off the first spell of stark right and then you you can get your teeth into the rest of the attacks so to say what india did right when they beat them earlier on but that was a different stark i think and now the stark that is coming up is at a slightly different beast altogether all in all if the results in today's uh, you know league matches go uh, india's way so to say it would very well likely that it will be an india australia final so that's anyway a mouth watering contest kiri yeah and australia i think will have a point to prove because they were beaten in the group stages by india and you said they were a different team back then australia always uh, you know come up with the goods when uh, the time comes right let's hope uh, <laughs> india finds a way to beat them are you guys just assuming new zealand is going to lose in the semis yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you disagree then No I would I just wanted to hear that. Yes. Okay. They're done man. They're done. This is our personal opinion. Well, I don't want to offend any of our other podcasting hosts, but even if they were on this podcast I would say the same thing. But all right. Going further, let's take a quick look at the semi-final lineups and potential semi-final lineups and who would win the trophy. So Varun maybe you can go first and then Giri. Yeah, so I think uh, we discussed it. I think uh, the first semi-final is likely to be Australia-New Zealand. And I think there is no doubt in anyone's mind that Australia are going in as favourites. In fact, a lot of people might have been saying that they've got the easiest semi-final. Uh, in our podcast, we discussed how there is going to be no easy semi-final for any team. But given the way New Zealand has lost a little bit of steam, I think Australia does have an easier path. I can't help but think that even if Pakistan had made it and were playing Australia, it would have been a tougher game for Australia. but i do think australia is not going to make too many changes they're going to be going straight into that semi final i think new zealand this is new zealand's tough battle they are going to have to step up around kane williamson i think they have the bowling to probably give australia a little bit of a tough time but unless guptil monro ross taylor really show up in the semis i think it's going to be a very tough game for them on the second semi final india versus england i to be honest i'm a little bit worried it's on the same ground that we played them um england butchered us in that match by getting almost 340 india i think with the loss of dhawan are really struggling like we said to get that playing 11 right but something my gut feel tells me india is going to win uh, that semi final and um for all the 90s kids who watched the 2003 world cup final between india and australia something tells me this is going to be a repeat of that interesting getting right Uh, I think Australia and New Zealand that's a given. Australia is going to win uh, against New Zealand there's no question about it. About India and England and I hope India win the toss and get to bat first on that pitch at Edge Baston. In that case India have a good chance of winning the match. If England bat first I think India will be uh, out of the game. If England does not lose their first wicket within the 10 overs I think it's gone. They have a, their original opening partnership is back I think it's looking lethal right now. That's pretty much it. And who is going to win the World Cup? <laughs> um so if it's australia against um, i mean i'm i'm going to say with australia and england will be the finals and england is going to win that sorry to disappoint you guys but that's my well, prediction it's what it is so <laughs> if i were to say uh, my predictions would be that well it will be an india australia final and may the best team win my heart says india my head says australia sort of stuff right but uh, i have a feeling india will best england in the semi final and it will be an australia india final that's why so and 
why i say this is as much as england is speaking england is doing well i i will back the indian bowlers to come good usually indian bowlers are very suspect whenever it's a big tournament in the final or semi final what happened in 2003 final so on but this team has this steel this hidden steel i feel that the bowlers bring to the team right more than the batters it's usually uh, india is a very batting heavy team always but this team has the bowling steel and i somehow feel bumrah or shami one of these two will stand up to be counted or one of the spinners will do something special and india will best england and if england bats first india will look to chase something around 310 but if india bats first there is also a chance they can put england out of the game by scoring 350 plus already in the first you know innings i'm being a bit optimistic uh, there is jofra archer there are all these other bowlers of course but i feel the in- indian team has it uh, within itself to beat this england team so let's see my prediction is india versus australia final and i really hope india wins right so that was a comprehensive let's say uh, look at all the teams and how they've done so far and so we would really like to say thanks to varun from the adjacent ledgers podcast uh, we, re- we would really like to have you as a guest again uh, on the show and maybe also your uh, colleagues from the adjacent ledgers podcast and if it if there ever uh, is an opportunity for us to come in as guests on your podcast do let us know it would also be a pleasure absolutely that will be great in the other news outside of the world cup uh, there has been an interesting match Uh, between uh, zimbabwe and ireland the second odi of the series and ireland clinch a really close win with zimbabwe having a chance to you know actually take this win even in the last over uh, well a uh, really good penalty met over by tim walter probably you know derailed zimbabwe so they were chasing only 243 in 50 overs uh, ireland batted first and made 242 thanks to you know 52 from paul sterling james mccollum made 73 and then uh, lorcan tucker the keeper made 56 and zimbabwean bowlers were very good so especially sean williams took 2 for 43 uh, solomon mire took 4 for 43 and then sikandar raza took 2 for 28 but then in the chase they did not start very good and they lost a lot of top order wickets but uh, craig irwin made 43 and sean williams 58 sikandar raza 31 it was a crucial breakthrough at a crucial time but ryan burl who made 53 and then donald tripano who made 33 kept zimbabwe in the hunt except in the last over they fell short by about 5 runs so they were 237 for 9 in 50 overs this was a very good match the other matches were the well the women's uh, ashes has started so england australia have played out two odis both of which have been clinched by australia so the first one was a nail biter where england got to 177 but australia managed to chase it down with uh, eight wickets lost in the second one again uh, england women were only able to make 217 and australia chased it down relatively comfortably making 218 for 6 so this meant you know the england um, women's team will have a lot of catching up to do if they were to come back into this ashes the women's ashes going forward uh, we've heard that Dra- dravid has been tapped in to be the you know the operational chief of nca so this is uh, keeping in mind that india has always wanted to have a high performance center centered around the uh, nca in bangalore they they have tapped dravid to be the next let's say the head of operations there and it seems to be the right uh, sort of a person to lead this uh, unit right okay yeah i think dravid uh, has been yeah i think as it's been really good with the under 19 team as well as the india a team i think he still serves as a coach for those two teams and him being involved at the grassroots level i think is going to help uh, indian cricket a lot i think the skills will be developed in a better way and for sure i think fantastic choice and uh, all the best to dravid indeed so the other thing is uh, because he's a paid employee of india cements just to yeah. you know just mm-hmm. to prevent any conflict and so on 
uh, his tenure in the India Cements company will be sort of put on hold as long as he is in charge of NCA. So this is also another nice thing that they have arranged it in such a way that these things are not questioned at a later time. So that's very nicely done, I would say, both uh, credit to Dravid and the BCCI. Mm-hmm. Going forward, uh, let's look at the trivia section now. So, so the trivia question from last episode was, who's the only bowler to have taken three fifers in a Cricket World Cup or in Cricket World Cups? So as normal, Yogesh has guessed the answer right. So it is Mitchell Stark of Australia who's taken three fifers. Outside of that, I mean, you can see a bunch of two fifers. So for example, some of these names might not jump out at you because... Gary Gilmer of Australia has to, Vasper Drakes of West Indies has to, Ashant Tadumel of Sri Lanka has to, Shahid Afridi and Glenn McGrath also have to. These are the other people who all took at least two five-fours in World Cups. Mitchell Stark is the only one who has taken three. Well, there can be another name added to this list as of you know today's episode. It's uh, Mustafizur Rahman, who's also taken two five-fours. The trivia question for this week is, who is the youngest bowler to have taken a 5-4 in Cricket World Cups? So again, it's very much in keeping with what's happening. And if you've heard our episodes carefully, you know the answer to this question. So you could get in touch with us to give us the answer to this question or share your feedback and your comments, etc. On social media platforms like, for example, our Facebook page or on Twitter at armchaircrickpod. Or you could write into us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You can, you can leave comments uh, with your thoughts, also the answers on whichever podcasting app you use, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, any of these. Also Spotify, for example. Don't forget to leave a five-star comment if uh, or a five-star rating if you think, you know, our podcast deserves that and it will really help us and encourage us. Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.